0: We are so glad that you joined us today. We know that God wants to do something great in you and through you, and we want to hear about it. So if you can take a moment and share with us your story in the City Chapel app in the Amen Corner. Thanks again for joining us today. We hope you enjoy today's message. Kind of, it's kind of kicking off this sermon series that we're starting today called Taking the Land. And so you see, we have several flags down front here. These are all the ones that you all filled out last week. And um, we have more flags off on the side if after service. If you would just like to go take a sharpie right there for you to write out some land that you believe that God wants you to take in 2017. Uh, I believe that there are things where God wants us to overcome. There are areas in our life that God wants us to be overcomers. We're not created to be defeated, we're not created to be depressed, we're not created um, to be below or beneath, we are created to overcome. And so I believe God has victory for each and every one of us, and sometimes it helps just to write it on a with a sharpie on a flag and stick the flag in some dirt and saying I'm taking this land by the grace of God, I'm taking this land uh, in my life. And you, you see over here we got um, some, some people writing marriage and fi- family and finances uh, I saw somebody wrote uh, to find themselves, really, just discover self-identity, um, their, their kids, their, their, their job situation, their money situation. But I believe that God has victory for us in each one of these levels. Um, and so next week, actually, we're going to be talking about finances a little bit more. And um, in a few weeks, we're we'll going to be talking about marriage, and we have some people who are going to be helping us share some testimonies with that. But today, I just wanted to kick it off. Uh, by reading the beginning of the book of Joshua And so uh, we should have a slide about our, our, our scriptures here uh, Joshua chapter 1, verse 1 through 9 Let's go ahead and start It says, after the death of Moses, uh, the servant of the Lord It came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun Moses' assistant, saying Moses, my servant, is dead And maybe we don't have slides So if we don't No, no slides None, Really? It's not opening it. Okay. All right. Well, this is gonna be fun because I got, I got ten. All, right. all right. So just listen along. Just listen along. Um, we are the world's okayest church for a reason. Uh, Microphone sounding like doo doo and, and uh, all sorts of other stuff. Awesome. Wow. Mountains. We got mountains. All right. We're gonna take the land. We're gonna take our screensaver. It's gonna be awesome. After the ten of Moses, pay no attention. To the servant of the Lord It came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua the son of Nun Moses' assistant saying Moses my servant is dead Interesting first statement from God to Joshua Moses my servant is dead Therefore arise He says go over the Jordan You and all this people to the land that I'm giving to them The children of Israel And Verse 3 says Every place that the sole of your foot Shall tread upon I have given you As I said to Moses, from the wilderness uh, and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites, the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. Verse 5 says, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, that's key, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. (laughs) Someone could grab a hold of that line today. Just walk away with that. I will not leave you or forsake you. Verse six, he says, "Be strong and of good courage." He repeats this several times. By the way, he says, "Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them." It's important that last phrase, "the land which I swore to their fathers to give them." And today, that's that's really what I want to talk to you about: the land which I swore to my fa- to your fathers to give them. Now when God says he swore it to their fathers, he's not just talking about their the first generation, he's talking fathers plural, multiple generations. He's referring to the the long lineage of the promise of God. The land that they are entering into is not a foreign land. It's not a land they've never heard of before. And very much like us, with several of the things that we've written on these flags, the things that we are writing about, these things are not foreign to us, right? Our finances are not foreign to us. Our marriage is not foreign to us. Our, our, our kids are not, well, maybe, maybe they are a little strange to us, but uh, our, your, your teenagers might be foreign to you. But uh, the, the truth of the matter is, these are things we're familiar with. And that's the same thing with this, this land, the land of Canaan, the promised land, as it became known, uh, was familiar to the children of Israel. God is not starting something brand new and just building this whole new deal. He is he is instead fulfilling a promise that is hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years old. He says, I am, I am bringing them into the land that I swore to their fathers. And so really my, the, my, 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 my subject today is, is that every bit of possession, if we are going to possess the land, if we're going to possess whatever land you are praying about possessing, if you're going to possess it, it has to, your possession has to start with a promise. All possession starts with a promise. All possession starts with a promise and, and every promise has a past. Right. God is referring to that when he says, this is the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. And he's talking about Abraham. Right. God appeared to Abraham, called Abraham and said, I'm going to lead you to a land that you don't know yet. Abraham went out just wandering. And for 15 years, he just wandered and camped out in various places. And finally, when he was in the promised land or the land of Canaan, God appeared to him and said, you're in the right spot. You found it. I love how God works sometimes. He's like, go wander around for you know a decade and a half, and then, ta-da! And he says, you found it. This is the land. This is the land I'm going to give to you and your descendants, and you know, the descendants after you. It's going to be awesome. So Abraham had a son named Isaac, and God appeared to Isaac and said, I'm going to give this land to you. Isaac had a son named Jacob, and God appeared to Jacob and said, I'm going to give this land to you. Jacob had several sons, one of whom was named Joseph, and Joseph was shipped off to Egypt. And then the rest of Jacob's sons, who Jacob changed his name to Israel, the rest of his sons ended up fleeing the land of Canaan where they were living. They they, they walked away from the promised land because there was famine in the land. Sometimes the promises of God don't always look like how we thought they would look. You got to be careful not to walk out. My pastor used to say, don't cut down trees in the winter because they all look dead. So you've got to be careful what you walk away from in the midst of famine. Well, the children of Israel walked away from the promised land. They all moved to Egypt. And what happened is they got comfortable in Egypt and then they got enslaved in Egypt. And the Egyptian president, Pharaoh, decided to put them all into slavery for 400 years. The people of Israel are in slavery away from the promised land. But even when Joseph died. When Joseph died, he, he said to his brothers, he said, he said, when you go back to the land that God has promised us, I want you to take my bones with, with you. So for 400 years, the Jewish people knew that they were going to be returning to the land. And so often when we say that we're taking the land, we're not talking about stuff that we're not familiar with. We're talking about stuff that we have lost. Not that we've never had, not not that we've never known, but stuff that we've walked away from, stuff that we have lost in our lives, things that belong to us, that God has purchased for us, that God has promised for us. And sometimes the past that's included in the promise can become quite discouraging. But throughout all those years and all that slavery and all that abuse and all the disappointment and even the walking away from the promise of God, God's promise was still powerful in their lives. Promises of God do not lose their power with your past. Whatever your past is, the promise has has not lost its power. And you need to understand that all possession starts with a promise, and promises of God never lose their power. Now, this is not a license to go out and do whatever you want, because you won't possess it. Until you start to receive it, and so we're going to talk about that today. But the truth of the matter is, many of us start off looking at the land that we're trying to possess, looking at the land we believe that God has purchased for us, and 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 we have a a, a lot of regret built into that. But the promise never lost its power for the people of Israel, and the promise, by the way, uh, was was still powerful even 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 in its purpose. It's, it never lost its purpose. And so God appears to Moses, right, after 400 years of the Jews being in slavery, being under, uh, there in Egypt, God appears to Moses, and he says, I want you to go down and, 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 and defeat the, 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 the Egyptians and, and rescue my people, lead my people out of bondage. And what, what I find fascinating about that whole scenario, you can read about it in, in Scripture. It's amazing. There's this, there's, this, there's this bush that's on fire, but it's not burning. And it's just it's, it's kind of crazy. Like, like, who needs, like, crazy movies when you have the Bible? Just read the Bible. It's got some bizarre stuff in there. And so you read about that, and Moses... But the most shocking thing to me is Moses' age. Moses is 80 years old when God appears to him. I don't think we have anybody who's 80 years old here. We got... Something a little bit close to that, but uh, I don't think we have anybody that's like 80 years old. 80 years old—that's—that's that's like you've been retired for a few years. You're 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 in the RV, driving around the country, hanging out with grandkids at 80 years old. People are not starting their ministry. They're not starting a business. They're not starting life. At 80, you're 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 wrapping things up, right? <laughs> at 80, you're 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 scheduling, you're planning your funeral. You're thinking about you know the the good old days you're 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 talking about you know the time when there was no internet and and you know and then there was dial up like you're you're, you're like like that's the kind of stuff that you're dwelling on when you're because it was the good old days and people were nice to each other then and and you know you could buy a hot dog for a nickel and you walked up school up to hill up a hill to school both ways in the snow barefoot and you're in Texas woo it's amazing i mean like that's the kind of stuff that you're dealing with when you're, and you're not thinking about the future. But God appears to Moses as he's settling his retirement account, and says, "Moses, now is the time to start." <laughs> and Moses says, uh, "Uh, I, you know, I, I'm pretty comfortable. I'm, I'm good here. I'm fine. I got, I got my kids, got my grandkids, my family. I got, I, you know, I was, just, I was about to kick back and just reap some of the rewards of having saved up for years, and now you want me to start my ministry." at eight. 80 years old now does that mean that God didn't have a plan for Moses when he was 15 no God had a plan for Moses when he was 15 he had a plan for him when he was 25 he had a plan for him when he was 35 When he was 40 in fact when he was 40 Moses started to walk in that plan and then he his anger got out of control and he murdered somebody and so when he was 40 years old he, he, he ran away from the purpose of God in his life some of you might find yourself, oh, Harry's talking about taking new land and new territory, and that's great, but 40 years ago I ran away from the purpose of God in my life. <laughs> but can I tell you, the promise of God never loses its power with your past, and it, and it, and it still has its purpose because it doesn't have an expiration date.
1: The Bible says that the gifts and
0: callings are without repentance. In other words, they don't change. They don't shift. With your obedience or lack of obedience, with your running away or your sticking around, that God's calling on your life, his promises for your life are still just as valid. They don't have an expiration date. As long as you're breathing, as long as you're living, there's still a call of God on your life. There's still land that God wants you to take. You guys ever heard of, uh, 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 there's a, in, in, in Scripture, there's several verses. Actually, I'd like to bring up Psalm 92. I'd like you to look at Psalm 92. It's an interesting passage in Psalm 92 that talks about uh, a, a specific palm tree. It says, but the godly shall flourish like palm trees. Now, this is in Psalm. This is written by David. This is, this is in uh, Jerusalem. And, and, and there was a legendary palm tree called the Judean date palm tree. The Judean date palm tree has been extinct for about 800 years. Uh, it really kind of started going downhill whenever Rome ransacked Jerusalem in 70 AD. They razed the countryside and just burned everything to the ground. And slowly but surely, um, the Judean palm tree Became extinct to the point to, as to where even in the 1500s scientists said you know we don't think there ever actually was a Judean palm tree we think that was just made up by the Bible it's stuff of legend you know it's it's probably hyperbole for something else and and and, and yet in the ancient world the Judean palm tree only grown in Judea or in uh, Canaan land or in the Promised Land this particular palm tree uh, was was famous throughout the region in fact they made their coins they imprinted a. Pic- of the palm tree on their coins like uh, apparently the dates from this tree had medicinal purposes they tasted really good there was a lot about the palm tree but it went extinct in about 1200 AD yet in 1965 they found they found uh, a a jar in Herod's uh, courtyard The uh, archeologists were digging around and they found this jar, inside the jar was a few seeds. They sent a couple of seeds off to a lab to see how old they were and they said, well, they're about 2000 years old. And they took one of the seeds and in 2005 they decided that they had advanced enough knowledge that they could actually plant this seed and just see what would happen. In 2005 they took a 2000 year old Judean palm tree and stuck it in the ground, watered it, put fertilizer, a special fertilizer on it. And in 2010, it had grown to about five foot tall. In 2015, two years ago, it it, it budded its first flower. This is the oldest seed in history to actually be to be sown and for something to grow up out of it. And they're they're estimating that by 2022, it's going to produce its first dates, and we're going to be able, for the first time in 800 years, someone's going to be able to taste a Judean palm tree date, which I think is just kind of cool, kind of crazy, because 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 that's kind of what many of us are like. We've been sitting in a jar for maybe 2,000 years, and you thought that the length of time that you were running from your purpose had something to do with the, with the lack of power in the Word of God and in the seed that God had put inside of you. But the power in the seed is still in the seed after it's been sitting in a jar for two thousand years because what God designed for your life as long as you're still breathing there's still power in the promise of God and so if you're gonna take the land you're gonna have to start off by acknowledging the the infinite power of the promise of God in your life that it is not limited by your lack of obedience it is not limited by the amount of time it's been sitting on the shelf that today can be the day that you grab a hold of that see the issue is environment the issue is environment the seed has been on a shelf and it won't do anything for 2,000 years, but it hasn't lost its power when it gets in the right soil, when it gets in the right place, it starts to produce the fruit that God intended. The, the godly flourish like palm trees. They grow as tall as the cedars of Lebanon because they are transplanted. That's the key. They are transplanted into the Lord's own garden and are under His personal care. Even in old age, maybe 2,000 years has gone by, they will still produce fruit and be vital and green. I don't care how old you are or how young you are, how many Mistakes you've made, how long you've been on the shelf, the power of God's promise is still inside of you. It's still in the seed; You just need to be put in the right soil. It's not that you're awful at relationships. You just haven't started dating the right kind of guys. You're just in the wrong soil. That was for somebody. I don't know who. That was for somebody. It's not that you can't, it's not that you can't work. You just haven't found a job that motivates you. And you're not in the right soil. You settled for a paycheck, but you're not in the right soil. And so God has promises for us to take the land. And the first thing we have to do is acknowledge the power of the promise, that it hasn't been removed. it It hasn't been subtracted with the time or with our own running in the opposite direction. That as soon as we get it in the right soil... And it's there. And what's what's interesting about Moses, he led the people of God for 40 years, right? 40 years in the wilderness. His first two sets of 40 years, he did nothing for God. But the last 40 years, he leads the people all the way to the edge of the promised land. And it's interesting. I always thought it was funny how when God appears to Joshua, he says, hey, Moses, my servant, is dead. You know, I always think, well, yeah, no duh. Like it would be sort of weird if somebody appeared to you and said, I know you just had a funeral, but um, Moses is dead. I always thought that was, that was odd to me. But, but as I began to study, I realized that this is not odd because, because they didn't have a funeral for Moses. Because nobody knew where Moses was. If you read the biblical account, how it it happened is Moses says, I'm going to go up to that mountain up there, and God's going to show me some things. And Moses had done this several times in his life. He'd gone up to mountains. God had shown him things. And the first time, they thought he had died because it had been so long. But anyway, so he said, I'm going up to the mountain. We're right on the edge of the promised land. I'm going to go up to the mountain, and I'll see you guys later. And so Moses goes up to the mountain. Now, the Bible says that, that while he was there, God showed him he was able to look over into the promised land. And then he died and God buried his body so that no one would find it. If you're if you if you, if you like biblical studies look in the book of Jude the, the devil is actually asking God for the body of Moses. It's kind of weird, it's strange. I don't know what it means, but it's weird. like even the devil couldn't find. It. <laughs> when God buries a body, like when God wants to bury a body, ain't nobody going to find it, you know what I mean? God <laughs> Yeah, it's better. He's better than the mafia. Like You do not find it. You don't find dental records. You don't find nothing. He buries Moses somewhere. Even the devil can't find him. And so the people of Israel are hanging out. Well, I guess Moses is coming back sometime. That's why God had to inform Joshua, hey, by the way, Moses is dead. Just FYI, so you know, Moses died. I think that is a picture of faith. That is a picture of the kind of spirit that it's going to take to take the land. That even with your last breath, you're looking over at what God is about to do. You're looking at what God is, what is coming next. You're looking, you're leaning ahead. You're living with an attitude of leaning. And people who stop leaning start (laughs) rocking back. And people who rock back don't take any more land. And even Moses, I mean, he's 120 years old, about to die. I don't know about you, but I'd like to be that guy. I'd like to be the guy that uh, maybe I'm 82 years old and I'm about to die. And I'm working on planting another church in San Francisco. I don't know about you, but I I want to die on the edge of something. I want to die leaning forward. I want to die doing something. I want my last breath to be a breath of purpose. Not a breath of, boy, I sure wish I could be young again and I could do all the things I used to do. But rather, Moses is looking forward. He's looking ahead. He says the purpose of the promise is to teach me to lean on God. Lean, not not on my own accomplishments, but on God. Not on what what, what God has done, but on what he is about to do. On receiving what is coming in his plan for the world. Because the truth is, the history of the promise ought to teach us the promise is bigger than us. What God is doing in your life and in my life is bigger than your life and mine. It started long before my life and your life, and it'll continue long after my life and your life. Uh, I met a lady, Gail, she's been driving around Austin for 20 years, praying for revival. And we just showed up you know, two years ago and started a church but that's, that's the promises of God, that God didn't start it with you, and it's not going to end with you. And when you understand that what God's been doing, he's been working for centuries in order to bring people to him and to see his glory. Then you step into it, and you, you, you recognize that it's not about you, that it's about God. It teaches us to rely on the promises of God. And so you can't rely on the promises unless you know the promises. So I wanted to share some promises with you uh, that God... That God's word tells us. These are, these are, these are areas that I, I believe that we are wanting to take land. First of all, if you're dealing with grief psalm 46 1 says that god is always there in time of trouble and he's there not just present but he's a very present help in time of trouble if you're dealing with sadness it says that god heals the brokenhearted in psalm 147 3. if you're dealing with loneliness it says that god places the lonely in families in psalm 68 6 welcome to your new family uh if you're dealing with finances matthew 6 8 says that god knows exactly what you need before you even ask him he knows your needs if you're asking god for guidance Uh, Psalm 73 says that he will guide me with his counsel. If you're dealing with sicknesses, Isaiah 53 says it was by his stripes that we have already been healed. If you're dealing with marriage, Matthew 19, Jesus said that God will join together. God will make two things out. God will take two things and make one thing. That's an act. That's a work of God. That what God joins together, no one will be able to tear apart. And so God has a promise for your marriage. God has a promise for your children. Isaiah 44, 3, that I will pour out my spirit on your children. That I will. I will open up the windows of heaven. God has a. I don't know if you know. I don't know if you know this or not, but God has a family plan for you and for me. Right? It's not just Verizon that has a family. God has a family plan. For you. He doesn't he's not just interested in you following him. He wants your kids to be saved. He wants your grandkids to be saved and to know him and to follow him. He, he, he has a plan for all of creation. And so you have to grab a hold of the promise of God. You have to be able to see it. You have to be able to visualize it. You have to be able to, even if you have to stand on the mountain, you're not even going to enter into the promise, but to look out on the promise that God has for you. As we go to take the land we have to see the promise. Now in verse 7 of Joshua chapter 1 God begins to give some instruction to Joshua. He says this is how this is how it's going to happen. And he reiterates the statement he made before. He said only be strong and very courageous. Only be strong and very courageous. Now, I have this this promise for you. I'm giving you the land. I'm taking you into the land, but I'm telling you there are two things you have to do to receive this land. Be strong And very courageous. And this is how you can do that. You should observe observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Don't turn from it to the right or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. That's, That's the word of God. The book of the law. That's scripture. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate on it day and night. In order that you might observe to do according to all that is written in it. For when, uh, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. He says, have I not commanded you? Once again, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you are. And this is the two things that God wants for us just today as we start this thing. Uh, promises. Of course, you have to recognize the promise. But in order to receive the promise. There's some some things that you and I need. First of all, we need to be strong, and secondly, we need to be courageous. And I find that several of us are these some of these things naturally. Uh, I don't I, I don't know if you recognize if you know that or not, but but some of us are just we're, we're over here. We are strong, and then there are people over here. This has nothing to do with this side of the room or anything. But you are create courageous and crazy. And, and the folks over here, you know, like, and I fall into this category. I'm strong and cautious. I'm strong and comfortable. I'm, 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 I'm strong. Like, like uh, it's, kids are funny because kids will show you yourself a little bit. Um, my daughter, Madden, eight years old, she is a lot like me. We were sitting around the dinner table the other night, and she was asking, so when can I get married? And... Um, That's always great for an eight-year-old. I said, well, honey, you know, your mom was 31, so you need to be 31. And she said, that's a great age. And she she said, well, how old were you? And I said, well, I was 26. And she said, oh, well, then I can get married at 26. And I said, you know what? You take after me. Yes, you can probably get married at 26 because, like me and Madden, we think through stuff and then think through stuff and then we think through thinking through stuff. And you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, look like we we're, we're thinkers, we're planners. Like we're very strong. Like we'll sit and prepare for something like all day long. We'll 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 we'll, we'll get strong, but we're also cautious. And the problem with me and Madden is that that we we sometimes think too much. We sometimes think too long. We sometimes don't feel that we're quite ready. And really it comes down to fear. A lot of times we're afraid to fail so we don't even try. Because we don't want to end up on one of those blooper things, right? (laughs) Who was it? Who was it was talking about that? Austin was talking about those bloopers where the guys are trying to do like the really, really big weights and then they end up like falling over and like breaking their back and all that. Like we don't want to be that guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, 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 I know I'm going to make sure I know how to do what I try to do so that when I do what I try to do, I don't look like an idiot. So, you know, we are strong and very cautious. And, and, and that's good for marriage. Like I want my daughter to be super cautious. Super strong. Evaluate all the guys that come through, and no, 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 no. I mean, you know, just, just strong and cautious. Like I'm, I'm, I'm I am for that. I am behind that. Uh, you know. Now, Micah, on the other hand, he takes after my wife, and he is courageous and crazy. <laughs> And he said, so can I get married at 20? I said, no, no, you're 31 at least. We'll talk about dating at 31 for you. Because he doesn't, like, he doesn't think any, he just, do I want to do this? Yes, let's do it, you know? And and he got, like, dude, you know, like, seriously. Man, he, Roe, let him have a jackknife the other day. And he's, like, he's five years old. I'm like... A five-year-old Madden, maybe. But a five-year-old Micah, no way. Like, this is crazy. The dudes are, like, we don't have insurance. We can't roll with we can't handle it. So, you know, uh, like, but, 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 but Madden, hey, okay, she's a thinker. But the problem with us thinkers, the problem with us strong people is that we spend so much time and attention to being strong and getting it right and making sure we don't take any uncalculated risks that we have a hard time trusting things. Madden, Madden loves gymnastics. Is she in here today? Okay, she's not good at gymnastics. If you, if you tell her I said that, I'll lie. Yeah. <laughs> so don't make your best your lie. Cause I tell her, good job, all that. And, and she's getting slightly better, but she's just, she, she loves it, she loves it to death. But she, like, like, like cartwheels, right? Cartwheels are kind of the basic gymnastics step. She is awful at cartwheels. And, 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 and it's one of those things, she's, she's, she's really bad at cartwheels because, because I was really bad at cartwheels. I know the pain that she's going through because with car because my, my wife doesn't understand it at all. Like the first time she tried a cartwheel, it was awesome. And how many times bro- have you broken your nose by the way? Just once, but it looks beautiful, babe, but they're, they're, I'm just saying. Uh, you know, Madden, Madden and I, like, because it takes a lot of trust. Like, when you go to do a cartwheel, I'm not going to do one right here on stage, but when you go to do a cartwheel, like, you have to put your feet straight up in the air and trust that, that this hand is going to keep your face from eating the pavement. And I, you know, I mean, I mean, I know I look really buff, but I am not as buff as I look. Like I I, seriously, I don't know. And so, and so as a kid, you know, you're like, and so so you try to do it, and you end up doing like, like, like that sort of thing, you know? Do we have any strong and cautious people who can, who can understand? Your legs don't go straight up, because that's dangerous. Jonathan, thank you, thank you for a little honesty, strong and honest and cautious. And and your legs don't go straight up because you wanna, you wanna hedge your bets. You don't put all your weight. You don't want to put all your legs. That's scary. It's dangerous you're always kind of hedging you're always making sure yeah, I don't know I think I, and so I understand her pain because I've been there but one thing I've learned uh, my dad was trying to teach me how to do cartwheels and he said well here you look uh, if you if you if you just go down and stick your legs straight up like straighten your knees put your legs straight up I'll stand here and catch your ankles Like, okay uh, so but that's how I learned to do cartwheels by having somebody that I trusted to catch my ankles and so, to all the all the strong and cautious people, there's like three of you. Uh, this point is just for you. Like, seriously, it, it comes down to a, a lack of trust. If you're going to enter into the promise land, you're going to have to trust. You're going to have to trust number one, God. You're going to have to trust that He's going to catch your ankles. You're going to have to trust that He's going to enable you to to take the next step. You're going to have to. You're going to have to trust other people. If you wanna enter into a relationship with people, you're gonna have to trust people you if, 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 I mean there's gonna there, there could be pain they could let you down that's true because other people are not nearly as cool as you but, but but you might let some people down too but you you're gonna have to you're gonna have to let go a little bit of control you're gonna have to let go of knowing that you will succeed before you even try you're gonna have to let go of the need to hedge your bets and make sure that everything is set like this is this is this is like when I like when, when, when I talk to people like marriages you know and, and I'll talk to the husband the husband husband's like yeah but I tried that and it didn't work you know I tried a cartwheel I fell on my face I I tried complimenting my wife that one time and um, it didn't work you know And, and to which I say okay try again like like you're going to have to simply, simply trust that this is the right thing. This is the best thing. And I'm going to do this. And I'm going to trust that my father is going to be able to catch my ankles because even in a marriage, you can't always trust that your spouse is going to do the right thing, but you can always trust that your heavenly father is going to be there for you. And is going to take care of you. Your responsibility is to let go of the need to control the results. Your responsibility is to let go of the need to, well, she didn't. Do that, so I guess I'm. If it if it works fine, if it didn't work fine, why don't you just put the the results in the hands of your father? Let him catch your ankles. The Bible says actually that if we call on him, that he will answer us. Which means we have to call first. He said, "Come to me, and I will draw near to you." You have to take the first step, he'll take the other 99. There's got to be some trust in your father, that he has your back, that he is watching out for you, that he will never leave you or forsake you, but that he is with you in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your struggle. You have to be able to trust that he's catching your ankles. Otherwise, you'll never be able to enter into the promised land. You'll never receive the land that God has for you. We would have never planted City Chapel if I had to hedge my bets. And I tried to a little bit. Like I talked to Pastor Robin before we launched out. And I said, okay, so um, we're going to be starting a church. And uh, I know I'm on staff here getting a good pay, salary, and benefits, and insurance, which I'm going to need for Micah. Um, But I'm starting a church where I don't have any pay, any insurance, and none of that. And if it doesn't work within a couple of years, like I'm going to get my old job back, right? (laughs) And he's like, yeah, sure, we can talk about it. So I said, all right, cool, okay, as long as the the door's still open, I can go back, like, no hard feelings, we're all good. Cause I'm, 'cause I'm, I'm, I'm cautious. I'm like, I don't know if anybody's going to show up. I don't know if the worship mic is going to sound awful. I don't know if the slides aren't going to work. I don't know if stuff's going to go wrong. And, you know, and then it's like, i no, I ready to come back. And so, but there comes a point where you can't always enter your beds and you have to say, I'm just going to burn the ships behind me. And I'm going to have to go for this with all that I got. I'm going to have to pursue my calling with all that I have. I'm going to have to start serving. Maybe I don't have all of the details details ironed out yet but I can sign up and I can serve every other Sunday in this particular area I don't know what my job schedule is going to be but as for right now I'm going to trust that if I just step into it if I just release a little bit of control that God will finish the work that he started that God will do the rest God will do the rest God is faithful like that he's faithful he said as I was with Moses didn't you see my history didn't you see my history of faithfulness. Saying you can trust me. And for those of us who are strong and cautious over, over here, I want to encourage you to trust God by releasing control. And for those of us that are courageous and crazy, which is most of City Chapel, because you have to be a little bit crazy to start a church in South Austin, uh, which is good. I like crazy people. I married one, obviously. I think they're cute. I think they're great. I need a little bit of crazy in my life. I need a little courage a little courage in my life. I can do a little less grace, but courage is great. And uh, uh, but you know like crazy and courageous kind of go together because people who are who are ambitious and courageous and they're ready to launch out and like like sure I'll try that sure I'll do that sure I'll set up at seven thirty in the morning and put a bunch of pipe and drape and do that I mean sure we'll go out to a neighborhood like I love people who are just a little bit crazy don't think don't think it through real hard and just go for it you know what I mean like it's good it's good it's good to have that courage and that craziness but the downside of being courageous and and crazy. Is that oftentimes we lack consistency So Micah is my courageous and crazy son and, and he was courageous and crazy about karate About six months ago And then about three months in He came home and he said I don't really want to do karate anymore I said why not It's just, it's just it's too much work is what he said What do you mean work He said well you know you got to remember these moves And do this certain thing at the right time He just wanted to like go kick stuff and punch stuff You know and we're like, okay, well, uh, we're, we're, you know, we're already paid for stuff, so just do it for another month, let's see. And then he, after a month, he was done with it. He wants to do gymnastics with his sister. And by the way, he's awesome at gymnastics because he just throws himself at stuff and slips. And <laughs> like, you know, like, I'm like, <laughs> okay, all right, you're good. You know, the guy, like, I, I always talk to another dad. He's there with his kids. And uh, he's like, wow, how do you learn to do those slips? I don't know. He just... Wanted to do it and then he didn't. Like, that's what Micah does. He's just like, Yeah, that's a good idea. And he just goes for it. And so he's great at gymnastics. Well, like, he's only been doing it for six weeks. And then, like, last week he said, I don't know if I really want to do gymnastics. I said, Well, why not? He said, Well, it's just not really fun because I thought it'd be more fun. And and, and then he's talking about this other thing that he wants to do. And I'm like, Man, like, at some point, like, you got to stick to something. I I mean, I know you're only five, but you can't be, like, like, you know, checking out all different stuff. I mean, like, let's, like, piano. Like, let's just stick with, like, I, I took piano from the time I was 16 to the time I was 18. Like, I stick with stuff like nobody's business. You know what I'm saying? Like, like as i like, Micah, come on. Like, let's just learn. So you'll never get good at anything if you just try a whole bunch of stuff. You'll never possess the land of anything. You'll never possess a land, period, if you just quit, 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 quit and quit, and quit, and quit, and quit, and quit, and quit. And quit, and quit, and quit problem with with some of us courageous and crazy people is that we really lack consistency we don't naturally have a lot of consistency and so that's why God says to Joshua I want you to be strong absolutely and I want you to be courageous yes but in your courage you need to learn consistency and so he gives them a clue here in verse 3 he says everywhere the foot of uh, the sole of your foot shall tread he says this is the land you're going to own Everywhere, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that's the one I've given you. Now, well, growing up, I, uh, preachers used to misquote this all the time. They would say, Everywhere you step your foot, or Everywhere your foot shall step. But the scripture actually says, Everywhere your foot shall tread. And tread is different than step. Step means to, like, a step. But the word tread actually means multiple steps. It literally means to create a groove or to create a tread. Uh, So when we bought our property of 14 acres, the previous owner didn't really pour a driveway like with asphalt or or with crushed granite. He He just like drove this really strange path down to the house, it was like with the contour of the land. And I'm sure he did it once with his truck, you know, and then he came back with his truck and then he went, Back with his truck and then back. And over time, he created a bit of a driveway, really just with the tread of his truck. The grass stopped growing there. You can see the little grooves. And that's where you need to drive. Well, well, that's that's what he's talking about. He said, everywhere the sole of your foot shall tread. In other words, every groove that you make, that's the land I'm giving are you, I, I, are you. Are you getting that? Does that make sense? Yes. That a tread is different than a step? Are you picking up when I'm laying down? I mean, I'm not actually laying anything down, but it's a metaphor. You, 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 the, the, everywhere your foot shall tread, like, like, like walking back and forth over and over. And it's interesting, the very first battle that God leads them to is a battle against Jericho, where all they do is walk. And they walk around Jericho for once for seven days, and then at the last day, seven times. What are they doing? They're creating a tread. They're creating a path. They're creating a, a tread mark, really. He, that's what God said. He says every place, the sole of your foot, every tread mark you create. So, so, so it's not just the stuff you step into. You don't possess the stuff you step into. You possess the stuff you create, tread on. That takes consistency. Because courage, courage is good. Courage is good at, at some point. But if you don't have consistency, you're going you're to get scared off. From it you're gonna you're gonna find it very difficult to be able to walk in it and uh, you know for like, like 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 for instance I don't know if this would happen in, in, in other churches but sometimes our microphones go crazy and our slides don't work and, and sometimes like in City Chapel like the lights might not even work like while I'm standing up and preaching and uh, and uh, they might just kind of turn off um, some of them would and 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 what and and and, and, it dark, right? <laughs> and it gets dark. And it gets dark. And you might wonder, well, how in the world is Harry going to, Pastor Harry going to keep preaching? You know, if he can't see his notes, his iPad dies and, and the slides don't work and, and all the lights turn off. How is he going to, well, look, this is this is how I keep preaching. People have asked me this because there have been times literally my iPads died. And they've said, so how did you preach a sermon? Well, I went over it so many times. right. right this week that I got it down. Like, I don't need to look at my notes. It's it's moved from my notes into me. I have my notes just in case I freak out but you But you got to go over it. you got to go over it. That's why he says meditate. He says meditate on my law. Meditate. Meditate is the same word that they would use for a cow chewing its cut. It's grinding it over and over and over you swallow it it comes back up again you just keep going over and over and over why because you remember what you rehearse you remember what you rehearse when you read and and actually your life starts to reflect what your mind rehearses. Your life starts to repeat what you rehearse. And that's why some of us are stuck in cycles, constantly repeating our past, because our minds are constantly rehearsing our past. Because we're repeating out of our mouth the same stuff that we lived yesterday, and so we're getting the same results, because our results will come from what we repeat and what we rehearse. And what comes out is what comes in, and what comes out is what comes in, and what comes out. And so and so I can preach in the dark without notes because i got it memorized. Like you don't, have to, you don't have to tell me about my notes. You don't have to tell me about the land that God wants to give me. I got it memorized like the back of my hand. I've been looking at it, staring at it. I've been looking at the promises of God. I don't need a slide on Sunday morning to tell me God's promises for my family and for my home and for my health and for my finances and for my grief and for my suffering and for my sickness and for all of that stuff. It's in me because I've been rehearsing it. And what you rehearse is what you reflect. What you rehearse is what you repeat. What you rehearse is what you receive. You have to know it. Have to know it. Why? Because the enemy's going to turn the lights off on you. The enemy's going to bring a storm up against you, and you're not. You're going to lose your notes, and you're not going to be able to get to your Bible, and you're not going to be able to read an encouraging meme on Facebook. And something inside of you has to rise up. You got to have something. Like, I, you don't need to educate me on my land of promise. You don't need to educate me on it because I know Like the back of my hand, like the face of my child, like the body of my wife. It's in my mind. You can't take it away from me. You don't need a textbook or teach me or tutor me. I got it inside of me because i've been rehearsing it i've been remembering it that's the kind of that's the kind of rehearse it's going to take and and as long as you keep jumping from one thing to another well that didn't work and that didn't work and that didn't work then as soon as the lights go out your courage goes out with it because your confidence is in what you rehearse and your confidence goes away because you did not rehearse the promises of god you rehearsed your pain. You rehearse what people have done to you. You rehearse what you've gone through. You rehearse what the results were last time. You rehearse what, what what you stepped into last time and the cycle that you've been walking in. But if you want to change your cycle, you got to change what you rehearse. You got to change what you say. You got to change what you think. You got to change what you dwell on. You can't have the same conversations you used to have. You can't complain like you used to complain. You can't gossip like you used to gossip. You can't point out other people's faults all the time like you used to. You have to if you want to change your future, you got to change your mouth. You got to change what comes out and what goes in. You got to change what you rehearse. Cuz that's what you know in the dark the only thing you know in the dark you don't know what pastor harry said in the dark people people come to me and oh i love the sermon today great what'd you love about it um um, uh, i need to listen to the podcast you go do that you know i mean this is cool i mean i get it i get it you got a short-term memory but it doesn't last in the dark it's good to listen to sermons. It's good to go away encourage, But you need to resolve in your heart that if I'm going to take the land of my marriage, I'm going to have to stop rehearsing all the stuff she's not doing. I'm going to have to stop rehearsing all the stuff he's not doing. I'm going to, if I'm going to take the land of my kids, I'm going to have to stop rehearsing all the statistics and all the, my friend's kids and my friend's teenagers and all the stuff that they got into. I'm going to have to stop condemning my kids and prophesying curses over them. I'm going to have to stop calling forth these things because I don't want that for you i don't want that for them i'm gonna to have to start rehearsing what scripture says what the bible says about the children of the righteous about the children of people who are saved because it's different for us the rules are different for us we have the power the promise of god activated in our life i have to rehearse that and so as we Hopefully turn back on the lights here. And we're, we're, we're going to wrap up today. And I would just like for us to wrap up with some worship, if that's all right with you. And I don't know if they got the mics working right, but maybe he can use my mic or something. But I would like to wrap up with some worship and as a, as a means of rehearsing what we know. That's why we sing songs. That's why we sing hymns. That's why we sing spiritual songs, because it's a rehearsing of what we know. And if you're going to step into the land of promise, you're going to have to rehearse what you know. Can we go to the Lord in prayer right now? And I believe God's laying some others, some of you that weren't even here last week. God's laying some land on your mind and on your heart. Maybe you were, were here last week, and there's new land that God's been talking to you about. Maybe it's the land of your of of your mind. Maybe it's the land of your of your conversation. Maybe maybe it's the land of your social media. <laughs> but that there's 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 more land in your life that God wants to give you. That He's already paid for. That there's already promises in his word concerning and that he wants you to step into and not just take one step, but he wants you to walk on it. He wants you to own it. He wants you to walk back and forth until it is yours. Everywhere that you tread on, everywhere that you move on, everywhere that you camp out in, that'll be your, your land. If you camp out in the land of fear, you will own fear. You camp out in the land of of lust, you will own it. It will be your story. If you camp out in the land of negativity, it will be your story. That will be your land. You will live in the land of negativity. But what you tread on, what you what you walk around, what, what what you think about, what you rehearse, what you repeat, what comes out of your mouth, what comes into your mind, these are the things that you will own. You will own the land that you tread on. So some of us need to stop treading in fear and in intrepidation and in doubt and you start treading in faith and it doesn't even feel natural because you're not used to walking there but you, you simply change where you tre- where you tread, you change where you walk and you decide to agree with heaven, you decide to agree with the word of God and he hasn't consulted your fear for that he hasn't checked in with you about it he simply stated truth We connect with his word. And so, Lord, right now, I just ask that you would speak to your people, that you would would illuminate in our minds as we're going through things every day that exactly what land you want us to take